All right. Well, welcome to week 11 of Awakenings. This has been a series that we've been doing as we have navigated and trafficked through the book of Ephesians. We're now in Ephesians chapter 6, and uh, we're actually in part 2. We did a two-parter on this issue of warfare, awakened to warfare. We'll talk about what awakening looks like and what we mean by that, but it's important that we, as the body of Christ, who have been called and characterized by some as the sleeping giant. So we want to wake up. Amen? I said that in the first service, and no one said anything because they were asleep. So I'm thinking... We've got to wake up the first service, amen? <laughs> but we want to awaken really to much, much broader, much greater things. So I'm, gonna, I'm not going to spend a lot of time backtracking. I want to kind of hit the ground running. Last week, we uncovered this idea that, first of all, the universe is highly populated. I'm going to share a couple of things out of this. We talked about this book that scared the bejeebies out of everybody back in the mid-80s, This Present Darkness by Frank Peretti, and then later uh, Piercing the Darkness, fantastic books that really opened our eyes, and he sort of gave verbiage to something that we've intuitively, spiritually knew, and that there's a lot more going on in the world and the universe and this, this whole thing than is, that is seen. It's, there's an unseen realm teeming with life, teeming with activity. We know it intuitively. We've, we've seen and caught glimpses of it, maybe from when you were a child. I remember having a, a very profound experience as a child where I was in the living room looking in. In fact, to this day, it sort of does something to me viscerally. But I was in the living room. Remember when we had two living rooms back in the day? We had a den and a formal. And, you know, the, the one, the formal was the one you didn't go in, right, if you were a kid? And there were plastic over the, right. I never understood that. But we were in that room at night. My dad was a firefighter. He was working. So I remember looking through a hallway and looking into my room, and a lamp was on in the room, and I saw as a child, remember this is a child-activated imagination or whatever, I saw what looked like a little demon, a little imp, a little something going through my toy box. And I remember that thing looking at me, and it scared me to the core. I had dreams about that growing up. I don't even think I've told you this one. I've had dreams about that off and on growing up and this image in my mind of what that looked like. To this day, I don't know if that was a dream, a vision, or I actually saw something. But what I knew and what I figured out is there's something going on behind what we see. There's more happening than we, than we know. Listen to this. John Eldridge says this, you were born into a world at war. He wrote that at the, in the beginning of his book, Epic. You were born into a world at war. We are not alone. The universe is highly populated. There's a cast of characters who are mostly unseen, who are an integral part of your story. We use the verbiage meta-narrative. There's a bigger story going on. There's something, we're here on, at this level where we can see, taste, touch, feel, and yet there's something unseen going on that actually Jack Taylor in his book called The Hallelujah Factor many years ago said, this is what real reality is. What we cannot see is what's real. What we're experiencing here is a shadow. That's right. This is a fallen world that we live in. This is not as it was supposed to be. Amen. What we're experiencing now, if you want to say it in very real terms, we're in an upside down world and the kingdom is right side up. And throughout our lives, you've had touches where you broke through, so to speak, broke the veil, broke the fourth wall, whatever, and you saw something else that was going on or you experienced it. 
might have been a bump in the middle of the night. It may have been some very real experience. It could have been just a sense, an intuition. And I remember one time as a young ministerial student in my study writing songs on acoustic guitar, worship songs and praise, and I had this sense that something came in the room. And I had, I mean, it was like the hackles went up. I mean, every goose bump on my body just went into full mode, and it was like deep, deep fear. And it came, and I didn't know exactly what to do about that other than continue to play and worship. And as I did that, it, it, it diminished. But I knew for a fact something had entered into my presence. Something broke through the veil, and it was a very real Thing. Now listen to this. Dr. Neil Anderson wrote a book that impacted my life called The Bondage Breaker many years ago, mid-90s. Really another book that opened up my eyes not only to the spiritual war that we are experiencing and engaged in. By the way, if you don't know you're in a war right now, uh, you're, you're on the defense. We want to get you on the offense. Amen? Amen? That's what equipping the saints for the work of service and ministry is about, is equipping you to fight on the offensive, not living on the ropes. So that's part of the whole idea of awakening to warfare. Listen to what he wrote. He says this, most Christians are, here it is, dangerously unaware. Dangerously unaware. I think that's very well said. Most Christians are dangerously unaware of who they really are in Christ, and so they are impotent. That word literally means powerless. They are powerless, impotent, to exercise the spiritual authority that they have in Him. The enemy's, one of his greatest tools and weapons, we already know he's a liar and the father of it, according to uh, John chapter 8. Jesus said he, the devil was a murderer from the beginning, a liar, and the father of it. So we understand his very nature is to lie. Amen? Amen. So liar, liar, pants on fire. That's a, the, the flames of hell. I mean, that came out of that thought, that idea, that imagery that there's a reason your pants are on fire. And so we know the enemy's a liar. Here's the thing. His only real weapon is the weapon of deception and accusation. So interesting how you can be looking in a mirror and you hear a voice that sounds just like yours saying to you, you're an idiot. You're a jerk. Or worse. Or am I the only one who that ever happens to? Driving down the road, minding your own business, listening to praise and worship, listening to Caleb. And here you are, listening to the message on Sirius Radio, and all of a sudden you get barraged with these terrible, horrible thoughts. Am I? Has that ever happened to you? Or how about, how about this? You're praying. You're praying. And all of a sudden your mind goes off the rails into something dark, something even blasphemous. I've had people tell me, Every time I try to pray, I start blaspheming God in my mind. I'm like, oh, you're on the front lines. Wow, welcome to the war. And by the way, it's not you blaspheming God. See, the enemy's smart. He's deceptive by nature, which means he can imitate your voice. He can sound just like you. And what will happen is, is we'll buy into the lie. We'll embrace the lie. And here's what happens when you embrace a lie. It manifests as though it's true in our behavior and our thinking. So you may, you may think, you may think I, I, where did that come from? And, oh, yeah, I am an idiot. Oh, yeah, I am a jerk. 
Oh, yeah, I'm stupid. Oh, yeah, I'll never make it. Oh, yeah, I'm not worthy to worship. Oh, yeah, I'm not even going to go. Oh, yeah, I'm not even going to show up because I don't... Man, I mean, we just go down that. We go down. And what we do is we enter into agreement with the enemy. We're going to talk about breaking agreements, what agreements are, and breaking them, because some of you have made agreements and you don't even know it. I meet with a group of guys. We try to meet once a month. It doesn't always work out that way. But we get together and we talk about this. Have you made or are you laboring under any agreements? That's part of our conversation every time we have lunch. What agreements have you bought into? And inevitably, one of us will say, well, actually, I agreed with the enemy on this, or man, I was thinking about this, or this came up, and I entered into agreement with, with that. And it's like, well, then let's break it. Let's do it right now. We can break it right now in a nanosecond. Let me tell you something. This is good news for you. First of all, Jesus won the war on our behalf. But just like the Israelites going into the promised land, which was given to them, they still had to fight. There's a reason why the Bible talks about the good fight of faith, the wage of the good warfare, spiritual armor, or weapons of our warfare. There's a reason the Bible uses all this engagement language. It's because there is a fight to fight. The good news is it's a good fight. I never lost a good fight. I lost some bad ones, but I never lost a good one. I never lost a good fight. When Paul tells Timothy that, listen to this. Spiritual awakening, become fully conscious, aware of the truth that already is. Christ in you, the hope of glory, to stir up. I love that word. Stir up and activate what and whom you already have living in and through you. Did you know Jesus is trying so hard to get out of you? Not so you'll be empty, but so he can just refill the empty spots. But he wants to flow through you, live his life through you, and touch others because you understand who you are in Christ. Awakening to that is what revival really is. It's awakening to truth. So much of what we deal with, and we think in terms of spiritual warfare as being some kind of power encounter. Let me tell you something. You don't need dunamis to fight. All you need is to understand your exousia, your authority. Who you are in Christ, the authority that's been conferred upon you, when you stand in that, and we'll look at the scripture, it talks about standing. That means that you can and will fight the good fight of faith and you'll win the fight. But you do have to stand. And we'll talk about that and hopefully help you with that. Here we go. Listen to what Paul told Timothy. But you, O man of God, fight the good fight of faith. Listen to this in Ephesians. We covered this back in chapter 2. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. Say, I'm alive. Amen. We're alive with Christ. By grace, you've been saved. Verse 6, and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We're sitting in heavenly places. This is where we're positioned in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. This is so cool because this is where it places us. Look, go back to chapter 1, which he worked in Christ Jesus when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand. If we're seated in Christ in heavenly places in Jesus... Himself is seated at the right hand of the Father. Guess where you're seated? The right hand of the Father. You know what that is? It's the place of authority. It's the place of favor. Did you know that's who you are? Did you know that's where you're seated? You're not a Hittite. You're not an Amorite. You're not a Perizzite. You are a favorite. You're a favorite. You should say that. I'm a favorite of God's. That's not arrogant. It's agreement. It's not pride. It's agreement with God's Word. It's alignment with the Word. When we align with the Word, let me tell you something. Power comes. That's right. 
But let me just tell you something about the spiritual warfare. It's not as much a power encounter as much as it is a truth encounter. Jesus said this, you'll know the power and the power will make you free. Somebody check me up, please. Any Bereans in the house? Help me out. No, he says this. He says, and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. He didn't say you'll know the power, you'll know the truth. You know what we need? A truth encounter. You know what this truth encounter is? Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ living his life in you so he can live his life through you. Can I get an amen? Amen. Now look at this. We're seated in him at his right hand in heavenly places. Verse 21, far above, not just sort of, kind of, not just hovering over the flames of hell. Look what it says. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion. All of those are demonic realms. Those are demonic hierarchies of order. They are structures. We may call them strongholds, but they are demonic structures that are organized. Just as there is organization of the military and the natural, there is organization of military and the spiritual. Types and shadows. You'll see parallels all through the Scripture. We see rain on the land, but we also see it as a top and shadow of spiritual rain upon the land. The latter rain be greater than the former. All, all of those are types and shadows. And when you understand your Bible and know your word, you go, oh, this is that. Oh, this is that. Well, let me tell you something. He's not talking about civil government here. He's talking about spiritual government that's dark, that's malevolent in nature. Look what he says, far above all principality, power, might, and dominion, And every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that. Now, let me just go follow the logic train, so I just put it all in one statement. As followers of Jesus, who are seated in Christ. Somebody say, that's me. me. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's you too. It's me, it's you. If we're in Christ, if we're followers of Jesus, he says this, in heavenly places, at the right hand of God, we do not fight for victory, we fight from the position of victory. The battle's been won. Way to go. Winner. You should be like Rocky at the top of the steps, man, just doing the victory dance because you've already won. Jesus took the keys of the kingdom away from the enemy, and guess who he gave them to? The church. The bride, the body of Christ. Those are ours now. But now we've got to learn how to use them and what they actually unlock. Amen? All right, it's moving right along Ephesians 6. This is where we left off last time. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. That means to be established. That means unshakable, unmovable. And after you have done everything to stand. Notice Paul says it twice in a row. Amen? Actually, he says it three times. Here's the next scripture. Stand, therefore. Paul is serious. Not once, not twice, But three times he talks about this ability to stand. Remember what the scripture says about the gates, about heaven, the kingdom, the church? You are Peter upon this rock. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Why? Because Peter was learning how to stand as a representative of the body of Christ. Standing. That means unshakable, unmovable. You're not moved by what you see. You're not moved by what you feel. You're not moved by what you experience. You're moved by your alignment with the Word of God and your agreement with the Scripture. We stand on God's Word. In fact, I'll show you how that works. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth. 
So we've got truth holding everything up, holding everything together. Now look what it says. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. The word righteous means the ability to stand upright. Remember those clowns that we used to punch? There's a reason why we all hate clowns. It's because that toy was terrifying to children my generation. It had sand in the bottom, and the bottom was round, and you would punch it, and then what would it do? It would come right back up, would it not? I mean, you hit it if you weren't paying attention. It would hit you. And it was on after that, right? Here we are, all seven years old of us just going, okay, I got you now. No wonder we're terrified of clowns. So here's the deal, though. As a child of God wearing a breastplate of righteousness, you take a hit, guess what happens? You stand right back up. The word righteous means the ability to be upright. It means when you take a hit, you're back up. It means if you're in war, engaged in a fight, you're not going to stay down. You can't keep a good follower of Jesus down. You have the ability. You've been enabled to stand. And so what do we do? We stand. We get knocked down. We stand. Life happens. We stand. Wheels fall off. We stand. A bad diagnosis. What do we do? We stand. We stand. And having stood, we stand. Says it over and over. He means it. Look what he says. Having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of shalom. This is the Greek word, irene, which is the parallel to the Hebrew shalom, which means wholeness, integration. It literally means nothing missing, nothing broken. That is what is on your feet. The good news of peace. And everywhere you go, now listen, I'm a shoe guy, that's no secret, and my secret was outed when Lisa Stapleton, was, Annette was showing her our house, and Lisa came out and said, wow, you got a lot of shoes in there, you know. <laughs> I'm like, yes, because, and here's why, it's a, it goes back to my childhood and family of origin issues. My dad taught me to always take care of your feet, no matter what. He said, if your feet go, the rest of you done. He said, oh, he said, I'm serious. My dad taught me to invest in shoes, so I have invested in shoes. I'm not lying. So I have probably as many as Annette does at this point. Just getting that all out there. But the good news is that I've got some other shoes that you can't even see. Well, hopefully you can see it. It's the good news of a gospel of peace. My feet. What do these shoes do? They protect you. What do they do? They shield you because they're also armor. And they also get you along the road. They protect you so that you can go. Man, we have the gospel of peace all over us right now. Listen to this. Above all, he says, these things, if these things aren't amazing, listen to this. Above all, taking the shield of faith. I'm not hiding behind a Tupperware dish, just so you know. Faith can be grown. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by what? The Word of God, the message of Christ. The message of who Jesus is, when you hear that word, it expands your faith, it expands your shield, so that you're not hiding behind a Tupperware dish. you got a full body armor going on right here. Listen to what it says. Taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. You know what those fiery darts are? They're his only weapon. They're lies. By the way, his name actually means slanderer. Did you know that? He is a slanderer. Whether it's Satan, Lucifer... Or devil, he is a slanderer and a liar by nature. That's why you hear these things, you're bombarded with lies, and if you're not careful, you will enter into an agreement with a lie. When you enter into an agreement, that's like shaking hand with the devil. And that's literally like enacting a covenant. And we do that, we are now in bondage. But here's the good news. You have the exousia 
authority. You've been given keys to the kingdom. You can take one of those keys and unlock those chains. Did you know that? I'm going to help you do that, and I'll tell you how to do it. The helmet of salvation. So here's the deal. Not only do you have a shield of faith, but now you have a helmet of salvation. Here's the sad part. A lot of followers of Jesus step over the line. They get dunked in a hot tub. They check the card. They go to the little membership class, and then they're done. They put on the helmet of salvation. But let me just say something. Did you know that the armor of the day was contiguous in nature? It was connected You don't put on one piece without another. And here's another really critical thing to know. You cannot put on 100 pounds of armor by yourself. Did you hear that? You have to have community around you. These warriors, strong, self-sufficient. No, actually they weren't. They needed each other to get dressed in order to go into battle. And they didn't go into battle alone. They went in together. This idea that I've got what it takes and I'm all that in a bag of chips. By the way, you run off half-cocked like that, you will get your tail whipped like one of the seven sons of Sceva. You don't know what that is? Read your Bible. That's right. All for one. So listen to this. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We need each other. We need help. I can't suit up without you. And you can't suit up without me. That's why we gather. That's why this is important. It's, I'm so, I hear people not church. Oh, the organized church, that evil thing, you know. Let me tell you something. For all the bumps, bruises, spots, and blemishes we have as a body of people, it's because we're here. It's because you're here. It's because I'm here. It's because we're under attack, too, by the way. Fiery darts are coming at us. Why? Because the devil hates it when we gather like this. Because when I tell you stuff like this, it makes my week go crazy. I'm just saying. Things get wacko. But you know what? We've got to teach the whole counsel of the Word of God. Amen? We cannot be afraid. I will not fall into a Pavlov's response that every time I get excited about Jesus, I take hits. Let me tell you something. You're taking hits whether you're excited about Jesus or not because the Bible says there are fiery darts of the wicked one coming at you right now. Listen to this. Take the helmet of salvation, which is the sword of the, and the sword of the Spirit. By the way, the sword they're talking about here is a dagger. And we're not even talking about... Yeah, you remember the scene, none shall pass. Anybody remember that one? It's a handful of you caught that. You know exactly where I'm going with that one. And he had this big sword, big, massive, long sword. None shall pass. And he'd try to fight. You guys' arms whacked off and all that. I'll tell you later what that movie is. It's a classic. So Listen. The weapon of this warfare that you've been given that is a reference to the armor of the day and the weapon of the day was actually a small sword. And it was designed for close, face-to-face, hand-to-hand combat. This wasn't like you're standing off at a distance. It's like, no, you're in. You had to be in it to win it. In order to fight, you have to move toward your target. You don't sit and wait. This is an offensive posture. And there are rumors, I don't know if it's true or not, that actually the back of the armor was actually, you were exposed. 
that the armor didn't cover the complete back for mobility purposes. If that's true, then you don't want to turn your back on your enemy. Amen? It reminds me of those robes they make you wear at the hospital. You don't turn your back on anybody. You know what I'm saying? That's all I'm going to say about that. Listen to this. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, it's an offensive weapon. The Word works, but we have to learn how to work the Word. We wage the good warfare, and here's the key, with the Word. And let me tell you something. Jesus never raised anybody from the dead by meditating. Jesus never meditated a miracle. He called it into being. He spoke it. It was the force of words that brought this world into existence when God said, Let there be. Let there be, let there be, and it was, and it was, and it was. God declared it. God didn't think about the world. He spoke it into existence. Jesus did not calm the storm by thinking about it. He calmed the storm by saying, peace, be still, and the sea calmed. Jesus didn't raise Lazarus from the dead by meditating. He raised Lazarus from the dead by speaking the word, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus came out, bound, hand and foot like a mummy. Came out of that. And Jesus said, loose him and let him go. It was by words. It was by words. It was the force of words. Words matter. What you say matters for the good and what you say matters in the negative as well. Proverbs 11, 11 says, by the blessing of the upright, a city prospers. You don't bless by thinking. You bless by doing and saying and declaring and decreeing. I'm giving you weapons right here. This is how we fight our battles. Our melody is a weapon. What we sing, what we say matters. Listen to this. 2 Corinthians, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. We talked about that. These weapons have nothing to do with your personal strength. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds or structures, casting down arguments, every high thing that exalts itself against knowing God is what that means. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Are you getting a picture here that there is something for us to do and participate in, and it's a good fight? Listen to this. Agreements empower strongholds or structures that keep us in bondage to negative thought patterns and destructive behaviors, i.e., besetting sins. You ever known someone who was just beset? They didn't seem to be able to get over it, couldn't get well, couldn't get free, and they would get going, and they would just be back in the same thing. It's a besetting pattern. It's because there are agreements that have been made about their identity and who they are and what's true in their life. This is how smart the enemy is. If he convince you that a lie is true, you will manifest that as truth. That's right. And it will impact your thinking and it will impact your behavior. But here's how you fight it. You want to know how? Yes. We did wow last week. Here's how. You have to know the Word of God. You've got to know your Bible this isn't a microwave fix. Although, once you know the Word, you can take care and deal with this stuff pretty quickly. Whenever I'm aware that I've made an agreement with something, oh, you're such an idiot. Oh, you're so stupid. I go, whoa, wait a minute. According to the Word of God, the truth, that's a lie. The truth is, is I'm a son of the Most High God. I'm a king's kid. I'm royalty. 
I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above only and not beneath. I'm blessed coming in, blessed going out. Oh, you know what I'm doing? I'm just quoting the Bible. As the enemy comes at me one way, he has to flee seven ways. No weapon formed against me shall prosper, but every tongue that rises against me will be shown to be in the wrong. What is that? That's my inheritance of the saint. That's Isaiah 54. All I'm doing is taking God's Word and like a weapon, my little weapon, my sword of the Spirit, and I'm wielding it to say, no, that's a lie, devil. Because anything the devil speaks to you is a lie. That's right. You have been given the power, the ability to break these agreements. Here's how it is. This is how complicated it is. Keep it simple, saint, right? Kiss. Here's how you do it. I've made an agreement that I'm an idiot because I keep saying it over and over. Oh, you're such an idiot. Such an idiot. I've declared. I've made an agreement. What do I do? I have to fix it. How do I do that? What do I do? I break the agreement. This is how complex it is. This is how hard it is. Driving down the road. Caleb's on. Rocking something. Here's what I do. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you. I consecrate my mind to you. I consecrate my heart, my life, my body. And I apply the blood of Jesus Christ to me. Thank you that I'm covered. Oh. Thank you that your love covers a multitude of sins. And as your son, Father, I recognize that I've made an agreement with the enemy. And the agreement is that I am an idiot. Father, that is not true. Because according to your word, you say this about me in Colossians 1.22. I've been made to be holy, blameless, above reproach, unaccusable in your sight. That I am a son of the Most High God. I'm a child. I call out, Abba, Father, because I'm your child. I'm your son. You've given me the right to become a son of God according to John chapter 1, verse 14. Father, I thank you that I am in Christ, seated in heavenly places, far above all principality, power, mind. Lord, I thank you. I'm packing heat. Lord, I thank you. I'm dangerous. I'm a weapon of mass destruction to the enemy's kingdom. See, what happens is once I make that turn, oh boy, I go into offensive mode. I may be a little on the defense when I'm starting to go, oh my gosh, I've made an agreement. I'm bound to that. Oh, I'm going to break it. But boy, I don't just stop breaking it. I now go run into and plunder the enemy's camp. Because he does not have a right to your life unless you've given him one. So you have to take it back and say, no way, Jose. I am not going there. You will not have me. You don't deserve this because I am a child of the Most High God. I've been bought with a price. In fact, I don't even own myself enough to give myself away because I'm a son of God. I'm a servant of the Most High God. Then you lean into what the Scripture says. It will change everything. You have been empowered to break any agreements you've made with the enemy. Are anybody here? Don't raise your hand, but I just want to ask a question out loud. Don't even point. Don't bump anybody. (laughs) Do you think in a room this size there may be a few people laboring under some agreements? Yeah. How would you like to be done with that today? How would you like to just walk out of here and go... I'm glad I left that pile of junk at the church. I'm glad I left that at the altar. You can walk out of here free of that today. Break it. Why would you want to labor another minute under a dark agreement that you've made? Why? When you can be free today. Listen to this. I want to land with this. Resources. I want to help you. I want to give you something to do afterwards. Homework? No. Resources. This is help. So here's a couple of things, a few things. Ransom Heart Daily Prayers. You can pull up. I do it on my app. In fact, I listen to it on the way in. I pull up uh, John Eldridge. I go to Ransom Heart. It's an app on my phone. 
And I pull up the prayers. This is the daily prayer. Let's see if it pulls up. I'll, I'll give you a little taste of it. This is good stuff. Renewed in you to receive from you all the grace and mercy John Eldridge, I so desperately need this day. I honor you as my sovereign, and I surrender every aspect. It's 14 of minutes of that, by the way. Jesus' name. I now bring the authority, rule, and dominion of the Lord Jesus Christ and the fullness of the work of Christ between me and every human being, their spirit, soul, and body, their sin warfare and corruption i bring the full work of christ between me and all people i command every 14 minutes of that i have a 16 minute drive in i'm telling you by the time i get here i'm ready to bite the end of a crowbar off because <laughs> i'm like yeah let's go let's go ah arise kill eat you know i'm ready to go so listen to this. So that's a ransom heart. You can get that as an app or you can go to their website. They have that as well. That's John Eldridge. Here's another one. Bookmarks by Bill Loveless. I've got another pile of these. We've given away over a thousand of these and they're very simple. You can come get as many as you want. We'll make more. We got a bunch of them. And it simply is this. You can take what I'm teaching you and that is take the word of God, get it on your mouth. Don't read it to yourself. Say it out loud. In Christ, I am complete in him. In Christ, I am secure. In Christ, I am a saint. In Christ, I am others-focused. In Christ, I am a joint heir with Jesus. In Christ, I have the mind of Christ. You can go right down the list. All these are Scripture. All the Scriptures, by the way, for these statements are all beside them. You can look them up for yourself. Use this as a tool. Go through your house. Speak it over your house. Because you can say, in Christ, my family is. All you're doing is changing it a little bit. Just morph it. In Christ, my family is fearless. I like that one. In Christ, my family is adequate. In Christ, my family is worthy. In Christ, my family is free. Amen. You can state that. Run. I'm telling you, men, you should be, when your family's gone and you're there by yourself, turn everything else off, maybe put some worship on, and grab this card and just go through your house. And as a man, yes. as a man of yes. God, stake your claim over your home, over your property, by declaring God's word over it. You make a perimeter and you tell the devil, I dare you to come inside. Because that is who you are. That's your inheritance as a son of God. Here's another one. Praying the scripture, not debt. Boy, you think I worked for Dave Ramsey or what? It's actually Deuteronomy. That, that <laughs> did a switcheroo on me when I did that. Uh, what happened to... Uh, anyway, so it changed Deuteronomy to debt. So that's Deuteronomy, by the way. Verses 28, 1 to 14, that's what I quoted to you earlier. I'm the head, not the tail, above only, not beneath. Blessed coming in, blessed going out. Blessed in the city, blessed in the field. The enemy comes at me one way, it's to flee seven. I mean, yes, that's all Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 1 through 14. Isaiah 54, 17, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Ephesians 2, 5, and 6, raised up together, seated in Christ in heavenly places. Ephesians 1, 20, 22, that's the one that we go back to and say, far above all principality, power, might, and dominion. All things are under my feet. Why? Because I'm seated in Christ and all things are under His. If I'm in Him, everything, see what I'm saying? You take the Word, work the Word, and let me tell you something. You'll drive every devil in hell out of your perimeter, out of your life. Amen? 
So here's another book. This is by Jermaine Copeland. It's a booklet. We've used this, gosh, for years, called Prayers That Avail Much. She's taken Scripture and put it into prayer form. There's a whole group of ladies that do this, and they put them into a book form. And you can actually go on her website, and you can read them on the website, and pray those prayers over your home, over your family, over your situation. She even has them divided up into topics. So you can look up a topic, buying a new home, a uh, child you know, running crazy. I mean, you can, there's all kinds of stuff. It's not quite like that, but you know what I'm saying. So here's another one. Uh, the Power of a Praying Husband, Power of a Praying Wife by Stormy O'Mardian. Again, same thing. She's taking Scripture, put it into prayer form so that you're praying the Scripture, praying the Word. You're getting it on your mouth. Faith comes by what? Hearing. As you're speaking the Word, you're hearing it. Guess what it increases? Your faith. Guys, this isn't rocket science. It's just following the logic train. Following the logic train and realizing that you're actually a part of an army. You're not a victim. You're a victor. You're not a victim. You're not a volunteer. You are a victor. So, last thing. Again, Dr. Neil Anderson, I introduced you to him earlier. Freedom in Christ Ministries, you can go to his website. There's a whole page, and it's under a tab called Downloads. Click on that, and there is a wealth of documents and information. Prayers about getting out of bondage. Prayers for freedom. Prayers for your family. Prayers for healing. And he has it all broken down. Freedom in Christ. This is where it all started for me back in the mid-90s when I read his book, The Bondage Breaker. It was a game changer for me. And I've never been the sense. And by the way, I've never been on the defense since. Because we're called to advance the kingdom, family. Amen? We have our worship team come out. Let's go out with praise. Let's go out with worship. Remember, our weapon is a melody. Let's make it a me- let's make it a weapon today as we go. I'm going to invite our prayer team to come up here as well and just come across the front, y'all. Here's the deal: if you are and have identified any agreements in your life that you're ready to break and deal with, we're here to help you do that. And listen, it takes about a nanosecond. It's nothing. It's just saying, in the name of Jesus, I break this. But sometimes you need help getting your armor back on. We're here to help you get suited up. So if you need prayer for any reason, we'll be down here at the front. Let me pray as we close. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for, oh man, your word. Lord, thank you. Your word is so powerful. And we lean into it and we rest into it. We fight from a posture of rest. We fight from a posture of grace. We fight from the place of peace because the Prince of Peace is our Lord. Father, I pray for any of my friends here today who need to break any agreements that they have felt them they are laboring under many for years. They need to break those. Lord, would you grant them grace and let us help them. Father, for those maybe who are here that have never stepped over the line to go all in with Jesus, give their heart to Christ, be born again, so that they can literally put on the helmet of salvation and the rest of that armor. Father, if they're here today, may they step over the line and be born again, be free. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the power and the truth of your word. We honor you. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Can we stand? Let's go out with music, and then you'll be dismissed.